Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host Robert Washburn and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. There was a tradition not long ago that once you graduated high school in Northumberland County, there was a mad rush to see how quickly and how far away you could get. For some, it was university or college. Then it was off to a job in the big city. There was always a sense of moving away. You would always hear politicians and community leaders bemoaning the lack of youth and young families living in the county. Yet a survey of young adults in Trent Hills just found out something shocking. The tradition is not necessarily true these days. In fact, a majority of young adults really want to stay. There's even some who want to return after university. They want to work and live in Northumberland. They want to be part of the community where they grew up. This was one of the more surprising things discovered by Heidi Schaefer, a consultant working for the Camelford Seymour Community Foundation. It is part of an ongoing initiative to reach out and integrate young adults 18 to 29 years old into the community. And while the impact of the pandemic has slowed efforts to make progress, the group is active and has lots of plans for the next few months. Here is my interview with Heidi Schaefer as she talks about a survey of young adults from Trent Hills. I'm so pleased to have with me Heidi Schaefer, consultant for the Campbellford Seymour Community Foundation, to talk about a survey for young adults in that region. Welcome back, Heidi. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Actually, it was back in July, so it hasn't been that long. Um, No. So, Campbellford Seymour Community Foundation undertook a survey of young adults in the community starting in May of 2020. Now those survey results are in and there's a big brainstorming session that took place last week to make the results public and to share ideas. Now we're lucky enough to have you here today to give us a taste about what that survey found. But what was the most surprising thing that came out of the survey in your mind? I think that the um, most surprising thing is that there really is a lot of commitment to, you know, trying to to live in our area. We had this idea that, you know, there's this massive out-migration of kids, but actually, or young adults. But I think it was something, you know, quite high percentage, you know, plan to make their future at least as much as they understand their future in our area, in the area where they grew up. And that was surprising to us because um, that sort of underlines how important it is for us to, you know, engage and find leadership roles for young adults to play in their community because they do, they really do want to stay. And it's just circumstance that, that have, you know, forced them to, to leave over historically. And that's really interesting because if you go back not that long ago, the common myth or maybe the common trend in those days was that young people did want to leave small communities, small rural communities. They wanted to go to the big city. They wanted to live a life away and sort of quote unquote, get away from the small town. So that's, that's very different. Is there any reasons or any comments that were made that might shed some light on why that is? 
Yeah, so we had 64% of our sample who said yes, their immediate future they, they see in the area. They either, um, they really love the hometown feel and they have a job and they have a lot of family. And families become a lot more important in COVID because, you know, your, your circle is so, so small. Um, but I, I think it's mainly the ones that, that have jobs here that really, that they really want that small town, that rural community feeling. They identify as being rural um, and they, and they love, I think they love the nature and the access to nature. Um, the ones who, who want to leave, it's mostly because of a lack of employment. And that is a big, you know, obviously a big, big issue, our job opportunity. So maybe, we didn't ask this, but, you know, maybe the fact that some can work from home um, in, in this time and, and going forward might have, you know, tipped the scales a little bit. I mean, it's hard for young adults to know what their future holds. And there's a lot, it's, I've learned so much working with this group because their life circumstances are very changeable um, and opportunities can come and they can, you know, leave. But overall, it seems like there might be a bit of a sea change uh, happening with, with COVID. I'm hoping. Before we go too much further, let's take a step back. And, and in July, you and I talked about the survey taking place. Could you refresh everyone's memory about the survey, who's doing it, how process that we've gone through to get to this stage? Sure. So there, there was some funding originally from the RBC for these, uh, this future launch community challenge, which was a vital conversation to happen in the community. It was going to be called Futures Fest. And then when COVID happened, we had to you know, stop that and regroup. And there's this sort of emerging Trent Hills young adult planning group that got together and said, okay, well, what, um, what should we do? What, we have this opportunity, we have this funding, what do we want? And they realized that they really didn't know enough about what the needs were of their, of their population. And they really wanted to have a better understanding of how COVID was impacting um, their age group. So this planning group is about seven uh, members now, we've lost a few who've gone back to university and so on, um, got together and really designed the survey. And they came up with the questions, you know, really trying to understand sense of belonging and connection and opportunities in the community. And we had 75 people respond, which is a pretty good response rate by the end of July into August. Um, and then the group themselves met several times. That's when we could meet outside late August, early September to do some sense-making with the results to really say, okay, now what, so what does this mean? Um, when people say what they really want to create, what their needs are, what, you know, what does that mean? How can we translate that into something? And it was very surprising because um, it went in a very different direction than I had expected. And um, the direction, I guess I'll talk a little bit more about that, but really has to do with these young adults beginning to appreciate the, the needs of their, of their peers and how to start to serve those needs right now. Um, so instead of coming up with some sort of do-good idea, there's so much funding now for young adults to take leadership. This is really about young adults understanding what their needs are and taking leadership to meet their own needs. So once the results came in, how representative do you think it is of the community? I mean, when you look at the demographics, uh, what, what, were, what did those numbers tell you about who responded? 
Well, we had a pretty good breakdown in terms of ages, 18 to 29. So we had about 30% in each age group. It was 26 to 29 was 40% and the other two. So it's not a bad range. And we had over 50% from Campbellford, which is the largest community, but we had 16% from Workworth, another almost 8% from Hastings and 22% from the rural surrounding areas. So it, it wasn't a bad cross section overall. Um, I think we, we, you know, obviously don't know how representative it is of the broader population. We have some data in the presentation about um, from StatsCan, but it's, I think from 2006 was the most current data we could find. So, and we don't know how many people maybe came, moved back to the region because of COVID. Um, but I, we were pleased overall with, with the, the representation that we had. Um, and the mix of people living with parents, people living with partners and friends, and then some people who, who are living on their own. We maybe could have um, had a few more people that were living on their own. We had an incentive, which were these grocery cards to try to you know, get people to answer the survey. And I think that did um, help us to get a little bit of a broader sample. Were most of the young people living with their parents? Yes, so definitely about 60% were living with their parents. And so that meant that they didn't have a lot of challenges with making ends meet, um, which was something we were concerned about. Uh, and, but, and most of their challenges were related more to social isolation and just a lack of things to do and um, you know, ways to sort of reduce stress that they, that they, were, that they were feeling. Um, and there were some people who were living uh, on their own or with partners. And there were some interesting things surfaced around, you know, there were four or five people who identified as LGBTQ, for example, who, who uh, talked about really feeling isolated, not feeling included or welcome and, and, and experiencing quite a bit of discrimination. And of course, we couldn't take all that on, but we did, uh, the group did really, um, address mental health. So the responses, the main responses were around mental health, wellness and recreation and employment. So we, they, they sort of found a way to kind of weave those three themes together. Um, and, uh, and it would, it would be good overall if they could do more, maybe in the long run to address some of the inclusion issues. But right now they're focusing more on connect, social connection. Now you've said a lot of important things. I'd like to just unpack some of that as well. Um, in, in terms of basic needs, what did, the, what did the survey find? Are young adults at least getting the basic things that they need like food and shelter? Yeah, so there weren't very many people that, that really had um, issues with. So under basic needs, the score was, uh, so almost 80% were, were seven and higher meaning that their parents provided for them and they had a good job and they didn't have issues. There were 15% um, were between um, six and seven. So that, you know, minimum wage they were working for and it was, and housing was mentioned a lot as becoming as unaffordable and increasingly unaffordable. We've had a lot of more interest in real estate prices have really been going up. So many younger people with jobs were talking about how they can't really afford accessing housing. And then there were 5%, sorry, 6% that were five and under that had lost their job, had to move back in with their parents, didn't have access to public transportation, were really, really struggling. About 6% of the sample that we had. 
So what does that tell us about uh, the ability of young adults to make a living wage or to, I mean, when we talk about affordable housing for that demographic, uh, I mean, we're not talking about buying a single family dwelling. I mean, we're just talking about decent apartment or, you know, something just so that they can live on their own. What is that message that sent to the community and to the region about those particular issues? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, is a, it is a combination because there are some young professionals who are around 26 to 29 that were hoping to be able to buy a home at some point, but are priced out of the market now. Because a starter home in Campbellford is over $350,000 or something like that, which is quite a bit higher than it ever was before. Um, but I think housing is an issue for the municipality. They know they need to um, I think they had housing as one of their strategic, housing and accommodation is one of the five strategic priorities of the municipality in Trent Hills. So affordable housing, but um, I, I really can't speak to, to what kind of progress is happening. And if, if the young adults, you know, feel empowered through this journey, this could be, you know, an opportunity for advocacy around some of these issues that they're clearly experiencing much more than than other uh, demographics. Now, again, there was a time when young adults like to move out of the house and to be on their own. From the survey results, uh, do you still get a sense that this is what they aspire to? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. They're they're really, you know, they're really seeking independence, and and that's why, um, you know, the, the, even some of the ideas for recreation um, came up that you know maybe that, that we could have some lending areas where they could come and you know borrow snowshoes or borrow cross-country skis or borrow equipment that that they could get access to because they, they are all starting out and they don't have those things so uh, yeah they're they they're definitely i mean they definitely want to be on their own and be independent that's a huge drive it's it's such a privilege working with these young adults because you know they're they're really um you know, taking these, they're taking their decisions very seriously and you realize how many decisions are made in your 20s. Very significant life decisions, whether it's about education or where you live or employment. It's, um, it's not an easy time, you know. Now, another thing you hear from young people is that they want to move away from their hometown. But you mentioned earlier that that's not exactly what the survey found. Tell, me, tell us a bit more about this uh, the sense of belonging in the community, uh, how much they feel a part of the community. Yeah, so the sense of belonging um, was, was a really important question that they included in the survey. And they um, took some time to explore the impact of sense of belonging on health as well. Um, but in our sample, almost 50% uh, had a self-identified sense of belonging that was between seven and 10, so strong. And they felt that's because they see a lot of familiar faces around. There's lots of people with, you know, similar interests, knowing so many people working in the community. So we may have had a disproportionate number of young adults who are working in the community that feel a really strong sense of, of belonging. Um, and they, they don't necessarily feel they need to leave the community to, um, to, to, to start somewhere fresh. There were, there was almost 
20% though that had a weak sense of belonging. So they said things like, I don't have any social connections or level of relatability, nothing in the community for people my age. I find there aren't any festivals or opportunities to meet locals. I heard this a lot, that there are lots of events and things, although they've been postponed and, or canceled for COVID, even when you look back at what the events were, they weren't designed by and for young adults. So they weren't feeling that included in some of the kinds of events that are traditionally going on here. So well, they do need a little help. That's really interesting because um, you wonder if there's enough being done in the community to for these young people. I mean, obviously, you know, kids and seniors seem to be high on everybody's priority list, or if you've got a young family, there seems to be lots going on. But I, I noticed in reading the report that people felt that there wasn't enough and there was a lack of things to do. What should municipal leaders and, and people of influence in the community, how should they be responding to this, do you think? Well, I think they should uh, have some interest to really listen to this perspective because you know, this is not a perspective that we get an opportunity to hear. And, and they should really be listening and figuring out how to engage young leadership in planning of programming and delivering programming that um, meets their own needs. Because they're extremely important, not just as an economic um, engine and taxpayer and, and that, you know, that over 60% committed to trying to stay in the area. But they're also, you know, a, a source of innovation, and they're going to be quick to adopt uh, more sustainable kinds of ways of living, and and be very leaderful in um, in in keeping a vibrant, healthy community. We need all age groups. We don't. We're we're very old population in Northumberland overall, but in Trent Hills definitely. So this is a, a critical. Um, voice to pay attention to for municipalities. I'm kind of disappointed that, you know, municipalities are so distracted by, by some of these things that they can't have a longer term perspective on, on, on really looking at, um, on this, this age group in particular. How has COVID-19 impacted this group? Yeah, it's pretty, it's a bit dismal. The COVID-19 <clears throat> comments, there's a lot of mental health issues just like we see everywhere there's more substance use and um, there's depression there's a lot of you know fear about the unpredictability of the future and and a lot of things have been cancelled that they would have participated in like gyms or you know even the limited sort of opportunities have been curtailed for you know for health reasons that's i'm not arguing those but they really miss seeing people and they do a lot of them feel really stuck especially the ones who you know don't have access to transportation or on lower income um you know they or, or who've lost their jobs that's really a challenge so um we felt that that actually is where all of the um activities have been planned around the impacts of COVID-19, how we address this, the social isolation, the loneliness that we heard from the responses um, by launching sort of events, online events that can help people to just get more connected and have more fun. Just, you know, this leisure, leisure and culture and this social 
part. I had not expected this at all to come out of the work, but because of COVID being so, um, you know, hard on the stress and mental health of young adults, they've decided to just do some bunch of fun stuff. Well, that's interesting because in the report, there are three wishes that were identified in going forward. Can you tell us what those are? Well, the wishes, yeah, they kind of clustered in into um, the living standards or like, you know, we're, the things about having more opportunities for jobs, more opportunities for housing. And then almost all of them were really about mental health and wellness and well-being, having more green spaces. They want to have a dog park. A lot of young people have dogs and there's no dog park that they can go to that's fenced in. They want to have more organized sports and sort of social clubs and um, cycling lanes and all kinds of things like that. So, so I guess the, the three areas were well-being and healthy lifestyle, mental health and, and uh, you know, stress, and then this employment and entrepreneurship. So those are the three highest kind of priority action areas. There's, there was a lot of interest in issues too, like there's interest in climate change, there's interest in, in um, anti-racism and things like that. But the vast majority were interested in this healthy lifestyles, mental health and employment. So those became the, um, the main themes for the sense making with the data to think about, okay, what do we do now? What do we propose to the to, to address these, they have a bit of funding. I think we have like um, about $2,000 left. So what can we do um, with that? And, uh, and so then this is when these ideas for these online, free online workshops for young adults came up. Well, let's talk more about that. So what are the group's plans for going forward? So they want to, the, the planning group themselves have each kind of, um, figured out what they're most interested in. So there's um, a few of them who want to lead some fitness classes. So those would be online kind of once a week over, like the funding goes until um, end of February, beginning of March. So we'll, we'll launch an online class. We'll get people to sign up. And if there's no interest, then we'll stop. But, um, and, and then cooking was another one. And in this case, what we'll do is we'll have, we're just going to, um, have three different young adults teach cooking classes and people can come to the community foundation and pick up the supplies. And if they're really housebound, we can deliver the supplies to their house. So that'll be fun because they'll be learning online to cook healthy food. And, you know, if, if they choose to, um, to not participate, they, they, they don't have to, that's really, you know, what, what resonates for, for the, the people out there. We're going to find that out because we're going to put these events out and if people don't sign up, then we won't do that. So another one that's really um, inspiring is book club. So the book club's going to actually have some young adult titles and put that out to the, to the young adults and they'll vote which books to read. And then we'll order the books from the local bookstore and again, have them for pickup or delivery. I thought it, they would want to read books online. And everyone in the planning group said, oh, we're so sick of being online. We want like hard books that we can hold in our hands. So that was interesting. Um, and then painting. So we found a young adult teacher. She lives in um, Peterborough, but she's a, a, a painting teacher in their same age 
range and she's going to teach some paint classes. So there's just going to be um, maybe three right now on Friday nights. And again, they can pick up the supplies uh, and paint from home. So that one will be quite social and, and quite fun. Um, so those are, those are the online classes and we'll see what, what people are really interested in. Um, so that's just going to be launching now. So that's all in design. So I'm supporting them to do the organizing, which is hard work, but, you know, finding the teachers who are all young adults and organizing the dates. And so those will be launching. Um, I think by the 9th of November, we want to launch all those Eventbrite and get people to sign up. And then we're working with the Chamber of Commerce on a young adult leadership speaker series where we might have people come to talk about entrepreneurship um, and also potentially to support, um, you know, business ideas like a business incubator. It really depends on, you know, who, who steps forward. It, it, we want it to be somewhat group led that the last one, the leader, the speaker series. And we hope to launch the speaker series in the spring so that it can carry on after the online activities have ended, that we still have a way to continue to engage um, the group. It sounds to me like you've got this wonderful program and these young people coming together and coalescing in a group. But part of this obviously has to be going out and integrating into the community at large. How do you see that taking place where the institutions and, and the, the larger community starts to embrace this group and there's that back and forth starts to happen? Yeah, that's really hard. I, 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 I want there to be more of a stake and more interest in this, um, you know, in support and facilitating kind of a community of practice or, or a network of young adults that can be, um, you know, have an ongoing dialogue about issues that concern them and interest them and, you know, really see value added. Um, I guess that the main thing that's really hard right now is to get bandwidth, for example, to get the municipality to care enough about the results to, um, you know, to invite this group to come and speak to them. And then the group itself is quite fluid because young adults are fluid and, you know, one is going off to back to university in January or somebody's just got a job, full-time job, um, which is great, but um, it, it doesn't, it is a very difficult group to, to figure out how to keep connected. I think the main thing is to build a network. If we can build a network and have like the municipality invest some resources in um, engaging this group, uh, maybe as, you know, to consult with, like maybe if they would be willing to engage them because then they could consult with them on, on decisions in the future that they're making or are, feedback. The challenge we have is that sometimes the municipality doesn't want to consult because they don't want to hear, you know, negative feedback about and complaints about things that are going on. And it's really easy to, um, to not fully engage the community and to not really take that seriously. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to kind of socialize this idea of complexity and systems thinking that if you want to actually foster systemic change and to take a systems perspective you really need to hear from 
all the different perspectives in your community or as many as possible because it's it's all all of the change happens very dynamically across the different groups through relationships and uh, if you don't listen and you're not paying attention you really miss opportunities so that's a very long answer i don't think i really answered your question (laughs) i think you definitely did heidi schaefer i want to thank you so much for talking to me today Oh, thank you for, t- for paying attention and um, really appreciate it a lot. And thanks for sharing the results. That was my conversation with Heidi Schaefer, a consultant working for the Campbellford Seymour Community Foundation. I want to thank both my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.